much for joining us today on episode number 213 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So depending on where you are in the world, you might use the term personal record or PR, or you might use the term personal best, PB. Today we're going to talk about what the difference is between the two, how you might use them sometimes interchangeably, and why you might want to use them a little differently. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so this will be a fun discussion because we've already had multiple fun discussions of this topic. Yes. Both just the two of us and also with our kids. Yes. We had a good one. Yeah, we had a good one last week too. And this is a topic that's so interesting to Kevin and I because I honestly had never heard of what a a PB before because here in America, most people I would say use the term PR, personal record. And then when we started coaching clients around the world and started hearing different people use the term PB or personal best, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's so fun to me to see like different terminology that people use in different parts of the world or even just the country. Right. And I think for the most part, people just regard personal record and personal best as the same thing. Yeah. I think they're basically interchangeable in most people's heads, but I'd argue that they're they're not. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what, what I'm... Uh, I think we're, we're going to talk about today. Yes, that is the point of the episode. There you go. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, you know, personal record is kind of the easier term to define, in our opinion, right? Yes. Personal record is a very precise term. It's the fastest time that you've ever run a certain distance. So you have a 5K PR, you have a 10K PR, you know, it could also be the furthest distance you've ever run like you that could be your distance PR or you could have an elevation PR the highest you've ever climbed on a run like there are basically you can have all sorts of different types of PRs depending on if you're talking about pace or speed or distance but the personal record is kind of your personal record like at that distance or at that you know, whatever that marker is. Right. And sometimes when uh, I go out for a training run, especially every once in a while, my watch will just randomly reset its personal records mm-hmm. and it'll, I'll finish the run and be like, you have one new record. Yeah. Like, oh, neat. I said, that's the fastest mile you've ever run. Like, I don't think it was, but Definitely oh, not. Okay. Not even on this watch. <laughs> <laughs> but every once in a while, it just resets its records. And would you like to keep that new record? I'm like, mm, sure. Okay, fine. Yeah. I actually found a way to revert to old records. Yes. Because mine, the other day I was looking at it for some reason and it had my mile PR wrong it had my old one not the one that I just ran this year and um, I was like that is not my PR and so I was like trying to look at it and it said um, it there was a, an option for me to like switch it to a different day so yes. like that was pretty cool I was yes. excited switch, about that you can switch to a day but I mean with a watch quite frankly you can just cheat and type in whatever numbers you want no not for the watch you can do that on the app you can do it on the app yeah yes. like on the app you can cheat but the actual watch has to be recorded on the watch oh interesting so it's a watch PR it's a watch PR yeah so you can have PRs it's it's the fastest or the farthest or whatever but it's very precise and this is why like you watch you know the Olympics there are world records and Olympic records and there's mm-hmm. national records and all sorts of these they're, they're Records. They're literally the fastest that those events have ever been done within certain like condition restrictions. Yeah, they have definite parameters yes. regarding what qualifies as any sort of world record, Olympic record, national record. You know, they require these 
um, types of things to be performed on certified courses. They take into account like elevation and wind and all sorts of different things. Yeah, like if a marathon PR, if it's uh, if it's not a loop, like if it's a loop, put as many hills on it as you want because you're going to start and end at the same elevation. So mm. net elevation is, is zero. But if it's a point to point, there's a certain limit of how much elevation drop you can have and uh. still technically qualify for an official world record. Because if it's a total downhill course, you'll obviously get a faster You're time. going to go pretty darn quick. Yeah. And like the 100 meter, you have to have a wind gauge out because if the wind is over, I, I want to say it's two meters per second, I think is the answer to that one. Okay. Then it's it's illegally wind-aided. Oh, like if it's at your back. If it's at your back. What if you're running against the wind? Doesn't matter. <laughs> there is no, there's no like bonus for the wind was in your face, which is why it gets really interesting. Like the early rounds on something mm-hmm. like the Olympics, if like one race happened to have a gust of wind come at them and the other one didn't. Yeah. Which is, you know, very interesting to look at all of the precision that goes into determining whether or not there are records set on like the world stage or even the national stage. But when it comes to us as real life runners, our own personal record is probably a little less precise. It's slightly more of a gray area. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, maybe maybe you've set your mile personal record on a track. So mm-hmm. it's like it's a legitimate mile. But even to that extent, I, here at least in the U.S., I bet if you ever went to a track and you're like, all right, four laps to the mile, this is going to be my mile personal record, you're coming up about three to five seconds short. Why do you say that? Because four laps to the 1600 meters, but a mile is 1608. So oh, there you're, you go. you're going to be slightly off. Slightly off. Well, and that's why it's funny. Like, you know, people that set watch PR, same thing. Yes. Like how good is your GPS sing- signal that day? Like you and I ran my personal mile record PR together. Yes. Okay. So this is a very interesting story. Like, I wanted to set my mile PR this year. That was my goal. And so I ran this mile, I think it was in March. Um, It was like the end of February or the beginning of March of this year. And I asked Kevin to pace me. And we did two laps. Like we have a, a loop of our neighborhood that is a half mile loop. And so we did two laps of that of that loop together and Kevin and I ran the entire thing together like now I mean he was a couple of steps in front of me the whole time but we finished it basically side by side and his watch registered a different time than my watch did and his time was actually faster than mine right my watch beeped it said I finished a full mile before yours did yeah and so you know we we had some debate afterwards of what's my actual PR like do I go by the time that's on my watch or do I go by the time that's on Kevin's watch and so this is where some of that gray area does come in same thing with the 5k like my 5k PR was technically on a short course yep so what do I count as my PR you know like I when I ran my 5k PR it was when I crossed the line which I didn't cut any corners I ran the course as it was mapped out right um when I crossed the line my watch said I think it was 2.97 or two point like it was even it was under three miles and so technically a 5k is 3.1 so this was my 5k PR according to the finish line of that race right according to that finish line I ran a 5k and I ran it in that time it was like 22 something which I was like blown away by like the thought that I could have even run that fast and it was like low 22s but I looked at my watch and my watch said 
it was under three miles. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, now I'm not I'm not going to get the watch PR, right? Because the watch won't give the you the watch PR won't give it to you. when you're that far off. Like, you have to at least hit – I don't even know if you have to be right at 3.1 or if it'll give it to you at, like, 3.08, 3.09. I don't even think it will. I don't think it rounds. I think it's, like, you have to hit 3.1 um, or above, which is the annoying part. Yes. If That's, you finish at 3.12, it'll call that your 5K, even yeah. though you went 3.12. Yeah. It won't give you the PR at 3.10 it'll be the time at 3.12 but if you're far enough if you're like 3.18 then it'll give you the pr when you hit 3.1 no then it'll give you your fastest 3.1 within yes because i've i've done that i've set a watch 5k pr in the middle of a run Mm -hmm. and it didn't like i never stopped the watch along the way so there was like a Mm warm-up and then i started picking up the pace and it was like a progression run i kept getting faster and somewhere in there my watch said this is the fastest 5k you've done on your watch because it had like recently reset itself yeah and so after i mean to go back to that 5k i crossed the finish line and didn't know what to do with myself so i just decided to literally sprint as hard as i could until my watch hit 3.10 and I wanted it to be under 23 which it still was but it, like I think that my official race time was like 22:15 yeah and then I hit the 3.10 mark at 22:59 yeah but like clearly like that would not be the way that I would have finished the race like my race time would have probably been like low 23s like just over 23 because you probably wouldn't have stopped for a couple of minutes and then taken to off catch and my sprinted. breath and sprinted as hard as i could right, right. Like, like you have a strong finishing kick you have a very good finishing for kick. for sure but it's it's a much better finishing kick if you're allowed to stand around for about five minutes and mm-hmm. catch your breath it wasn't a full five minutes like no. it was like it was only i maybe stood around for like two minutes deciding what i wanted to do right you had to like get through the finishing shoot and then right. figure out what am i going to do and, and then, then you took like, off I'm sprinting and, and everybody knew what it what it was like she looked at her watch everybody in the group that we were with like we're all like oh yeah okay now she's gonna go sprint off the extra point but one. like it was interesting though because other people that did that race with me like everybody's times were uh, distances were a little different yes. even though we all ran the same course so again what is the pr there well that's why you know if you're going for an actual world record for those of you listening who are competing for world records you go on an actual certified course and those courses are not certified by gps watches right because they that's not ever going to work like mm-hmm. zoom in on on the map of you running your last running route and you're like i don't remember running through that person's backyard yeah <laughs> and then i definitely didn't take a detour through that lake right. that seems weird yeah like, so even like you know our own personal records what we call our personal record obviously has some error to it even though it's i mean it's pretty precise it and it's personal it yeah. belongs to you like yeah. that's the thing it's your personal record so you can make it as precise as you want you right get, you and, get to create the gray area well and you and i had some really good interesting conversations about this too because of your time in cross country out in california when you were in <laughs> high school which i found to be so interesting because down here in florida where we coach cross country we coach a high school cross country team all of our courses are certified 5Ks, supposedly. They're all supposed... They're nothing certified because you can't okay, certify not a cross... certified, right. Because but... you literally can't certify a cross-country course. Right, because it's natural surfaces. Yes, yeah, so it, it can't be, but they're all supposed to be a 5K. And there are 
coaches who have been doing it a long time down here and they know that there are certain courses that are always slightly short Mm -hmm. and there are certain courses that are always slightly long and there's one coach who's down in Miami who shows up at every meet he's ever been to with a wheel Mm -hmm. like with one of those like firm metal wheels and he walks the whole course and will then complain about how short the course is Mm -hmm. that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to like wheel it out with one of these things in you're supposed to cut the tangents as tight as you can you leave a one foot buffer off of every single like curve that you could cut that's how you're appropriately supposed to measure the course yeah and so courses that have actually been certified somebody does that Mm -hmm. for like a certified marathon someone's out there walking with a wheel it, for a marathon? For a marathon. Oh, okay. Like, that's how but, it works. And they, I mean, they have to do these things for like college too, right? Is, like are those, are those more highly regulated, like college courses? They're just better measured. It's okay. still a cross country course. Yeah. So there's still like some gray area, but it's, it's pretty darn accurate. Yeah. So, but what I thought was interesting about Kevin's time in high school was that he didn't always run a 5k. <laughs> we, we had a few 5ks. Everything was around three miles, mm-hmm. but there were so many that we would just go to a park and it was like, well, the start line's here and then we're going to run the loop of this course and we'll finish at the same spot. And at the one park that got you 2.7 and at the other, it got you 2.97 because mm-hmm. someone decided to measure that one carefully because yeah. we used it all the time during the season. And there was another one that was an actual 5k and you you knew it was always going to be roughly three miles and you're going to train about the same because the one course that was super short had this massive like cliff in the middle of it. That you had, like it was a one mile gradual downhill. Then you climbed a mountain, you went through some rolling hills and then it spit you back up and you had like a kilometer to climb back up to the finish line. Yeah. So even though it was a short course, it was definitely not an easy course. No, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the guys who were like 15 flat for the 5k were also low 15s, even though it was like... 2.7 2.8 somewhere in that because it was a mountain yeah so what kevin you know explained to me is like you had your course pr course pr like so you had a pr at that course and a pr at silver springs and a a pr at this one like you just had like individual course records yeah versus like your actual record yeah and if we have any california listeners and you're around the bay area everybody knew their crystal springs pr because everybody ran that course Mm -hmm. and you did some other ones but everybody had a crystal springs pr and that was the one that was kind of com- comparable to the rest of them and even though it was less it was about three everybody said if i did it on the roads that'd be my 5k pr <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know it is kind of interesting to see that even those of us that really like those prs really matter to some people how much weight are you giving to those things? And like, how accurate are those? How much weight are you giving to something that has so much rounding and, mm-hmm. and like guesstimations in there? Satellite <laughs> guesstimations in there too, right? Like, and so that's why we kind of like the term personal best a little bit better. Even though we're Americans, we're going to get on board with the the Brits and the Aussies and everybody that uses the term PB. I mean, I'm a fan of both. I like I them do. both to be used... Uh, Separately. I mm-hmm. don't like them being interchangeable, quite yeah. frankly. I, I like personal records to be the fastest time you did whatever that thing was, whether it's a particular course. You know, Strava segments people are into. Mm-hmm. It's your personal record on that segment. Yeah. Okay, great. Personal best opens up a whole nother world because it's not a record. It's not necessarily the fastest. Best can go way beyond a number on a clock Mm -hmm. or a distance that you've covered. Yeah, I mean, personal best can be anything from, like, a time 
to a feeling that you had. Yes. Right? Like, you can say, that is the per- my personal best 5K. Even though it might not have been the fastest time you ever ran the, that 5K distance, maybe that was just the strongest you ever felt or the most fun that you ever had. Or maybe you ran it with a friend and it was just the best 5K you ever ran. Maybe Because was, you wanted to go back out and do it again. Maybe it was that person's personal record and you helped contribute to it. Oh, those are some of my favorite runs. How is that not a personal best for you? Yeah, like I love helping other people break down their own barriers. It's and, phenomenal. Yeah, it's so much fun. But you know, personal best can go beyond the time on the clock. Like it's, it's just... It, it just feels more personal because you get to define what that is and you're not limited to just a time on the clock or a distance on your, your watch or whatever you know GPS system that you're using. Right, and I'd argue that you get to define best, whereas mm-hmm. record is sounds a lot more numerical to me. Like that's yeah. what I'm, that's my argument is record is far more numerical, best is far more nebulous and you get to define was that your best on that day, however you want to interpret it. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, you're the only one who really matters how you interpret it. So you can say, yep, that was my best. And you know whether you're lying to yourself or not of whether that actually was. Maybe you tell other people that was your personal best, and then you go home and you're just like, oh, I should have done this and this and this. And you can kind of, you can judge it yourself. Or maybe that really was, and you're like exploding inside of that was my best, even though it might not have been a personal record. Mm -hmm. Like that was the last marathon I ran. It was not my personal record but I couldn't stop grinning at the end of it yeah I mean a grimacing I totally you slash fake. grimming I totally thought he was faking I, you did like I was like you're putting this on for the girls for me like what is going on right now I'm not faking just go get me some more soup <laughs> <laughs> that soup is good that soup is delicious <laughs> yeah but it was it's so interesting right can you get a PR and not a PB like, cause what we just said is that basically you can get a PB, you can get a personal best without that being a PR, without that being your record time or distance or whatever, however you want to define that. But can you get a PR and not a PB? And I would like, say- can you run the fastest time you've ever run or the furthest distance and that not be your best? I think yes. Mm-hmm. I would say yes. I think you definitely can. Like, if you get freakish favorable conditions Mm -hmm. it could end up being your record and you're like I did not feel like I pushed as hard on that day as the last time I ran that race Mm -hmm. like I feel like I could have pushed more and somehow this number popped up in the clock and that's different than the feeling of every once in a while you just hit that flow of a race and you're just like I don't know the last two miles just just disappeared this is amazing this is the best ever run that's an um, awesome feeling yeah but at the end of a race you're still going to feel exhausted. Whether you hit flow in the middle of it or not, you're still going to be just like spent at the end of the race. And sometimes you cross the line, you're just like, I don't feel as tired as I think I should be. So you could completely pull off a PR without feeling that it was your personal best because you you really believe that you could have pushed more than that. Yeah, but I mean, when you hit that state of flow, that's just like a different feeling. So I think that people would consider that a best in a lot of conditions too i mean i consider that the best in pretty much any any state if you hit a race and you hit flow in the middle of it it's best i'm still waiting for that it's just the best ever (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know i think i i was in a pretty good flow state in my the half marathon i ran in napa just because i had so much fun and i felt so good the whole time like i would argue that that's one of my 
personal best. Like it was not my best personal best time by any means, but it was definitely the most fun that I had. And I think the one that I felt the best in, like I just went out there and just enjoyed the heck out of it, ran, felt great and just, you know, had the best time. Yeah. Had the best, had the best time is definitely part of, I think personal best is it was painful, but enjoyable. Like Key West Half Marathon like, was a good one for me. And But when I like look back at it, it doesn't even, I, I don't remember the pain of that marathon, the <laughs> half of, of that. You know, like there are other half marathons that I look back at and clearly remember the pain from those half marathons. Like I remember what it felt like when my calves were cramping at Key West. When you mentioned Key yeah. West, that was my PR. Um, that my, was my fastest half marathon um, 2019 Key West and my calves were on the verge of cramping for like the last mile and a half. Like I wanted to push harder, like in my brain, I wanted to push harder. But every time I tried to just like pick it up a little, my calf would just like grab and be like, nope, nope, this, like, is, okay, this is it. This is where I have to live. So I just have to stay right here. <laughs> I felt like very limited, you know, by my body in that way, because it's like my mind wanted to push more, but my body was just saying no. Which is a, a weird limitation on it. And yeah. It's it's really tough to, you know, try and differentiate is it, is it mind or body on that one. And yeah. it very much felt like the it answer felt was... Like, it felt like it was body. Right. And yeah. I mean, given the conditions of that one, there was probably some hydration and some nutrition and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you're right at the limit at the end of a half marathon time-wise yeah. about you're running out of everything. Mm-hmm. So, especially if you're really pushing the whole time there. Yeah. So I do think that, like, you know, you can get a PR and not a PB, just depending on how you define it, right? And I I think that Molly Seidel in the Olympics is a fantastic example of this. You know, it's like the conditions were awful. They were totally unfavorable. They were hot, humid. Like they had to push back the time of the race like earlier. They moved the time of the women's marathon an hour earlier because the conditions were so um, warm that it just was unsafe for them to keep it at the normal time, right? There are tons of con- of things, you know, we've seen Boston be rainy and windy and snow and sleet. And so there are these conditions where you just throw that need for a PR out the window because you just know that the conditions aren't going to support it. I mean, that's pretty much what happens in most distance events at the Olympics mm-hmm. is every lines up and you've got a whole bunch of different PRs, but pretty much it's going to come down to a slower strategy-based race. Yeah. And unless someone can just run away from the field, it, it doesn't happen very often. Like Kipchoge. Yes. Who's, sometimes you wait till the final, you know, what, 12K, so seven and a half miles, and just take off on the field. Yeah. That's just when you're that much better than everybody else. But I think that, you know, that is athletes know that going in. I think you, even we as real life runners understand that. Like maybe today's probably not going to be my PR. You know, when you get to the race and it's 80 degrees with like 84% humidity, you're like, Oh, I don't know about this one, you know, but you're still out there trying to run your best that day. And it's up to you how you want to define that. Right. Like, and so I'd be really curious to talk to Molly Seidel about her race, her three marathons, right? Because I had to look this up because I was curious since the conditions in Tokyo were so unfavorable. And we all know that she won the bronze medal in the marathon. It was incredible. If you haven't seen it, you need to go back and watch it because it was just an amazing race watching her with these marathon legends, just like 
totally holding her own the entire time. I mean, at the end of it, it got down to three people left in it. Mm -hmm. There were four, and then uh, it looked like the top three were going to pull away. And then suddenly the person in third disappeared and pulled off to the side and just had to drop the race. Mm -hmm. And there she was in third place. And the only two people in front of her were the world record holder in the half marathon and the world record holder in the marathon. Yeah. And the announcers are just like, the woman in front of her has a marathon PR 11 minutes faster than Molly Seidel's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. I, I think one of my favorite comments was when, I forget which commentator it was, that said, like, the the one runner, like, kind of kept looking over at Molly, like, who is this girl? Who's this one? Who's- I- I know everybody who should still be here. Who's this person? I don't know this one, right? But I think, and I would be so curious to to interview her and talk to her about this, but like, or Tokyo, where she won the bronze medal, which was arguably like one of the pinnacles of her career probably, right? Um, Was her slowest marathon time. Yep. So that was not her PR. Her PR was actually in London London in 2020. She actually ran the trials, which was her first marathon. Um, and she ran that in 227.31. Then she came back and did London a few months later and ran 225.13. So that was actually her PR. And she wasn't even aiming for that one. That race wasn't even supposed to exist because she was going to do the trials and then, you know, run the Olympics. Right, right. <laughs> so that one just kind of got added in because she was supposed to be in the Olympics that year. Um, and then she ran Tokyo in 220. 2746. So it was actually the slowest of her three races. So I would love to know her take on which one she would consider her PB, right? Because the PR, the, the personal record, we, we have the times here, right? Sure. Like we can tell which one is the record. But the personal best, I would love to have that conversation and just know like which one was the best, which one was the most meaningful. Because I don't know, you know, like it could have been her first one. Like it could have been my first marathon ever, like making the Olympic team at the trials. That could have been the first one. It could have been London where she ran her best time ever, or it could have been Tokyo where she won a bronze medal for the U.S. Yeah. In the Olympics. There's a lot going on there. I mean, one of the things of of London about how that one ended up being numbers wise the fastest is London's London's a pancake. Like it's right. the world majors are all very very flat, mm-hmm. and Tokyo is is flat. Like they were, you know, at the beginning of the race, the announcers are talking about, you know, do you think that the marathon times are going to be pretty quick at this Olympics? It's it's not a very like difficult course, and then it turns out that it's super super hot and humid the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like trying to handle the course through, it wasn't even Tokyo; it was actually Sapporo. Um, but Tokyo is one of the world majors, and it's also a pretty flat course. Mm-hmm. Almost all the world majors are basically super flat courses. That's why all these like super elite athletes go to them. They get rabbits into them, and they run unbelievable times. And then the Olympics show up, and they don't plan it out to have like the best possible weather conditions for that city. Like The Summer Olympics happen somewhere in the July-August. That's usually not going to be the nicest weather where they're going to have the Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hot. Yeah, and I think that leads us into a good conversation about qualifiers, right? Like when we put qualifiers on our personal record or our personal best, right? Because like 
technically, if it's your personal record, if it's the fastest time you've ever run or the furthest distance you ever run, there really shouldn't be a qualifier. Like it just is that number, no matter what the conditions were. Right, but a lot of people like to put the the qualifier on it if they're not really proud of their own personal record. Mm. They'll use it as like a justification. Well, my personal record's this, but you know, it's a really hilly course that I ran it on, and it was super hot that day. Like. Um, the first guy I worked for, uh, I was selling running shoes out in California. He had run multiple marathons and his wife ran a marathon. Uh, he was coaching some of the top women athletes in the U S at the time. And she ran a marathon. She was not one of the top female athletes in the country. And she ran it in like three fifty. She was like still amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah. It was a little under four hours. She refused to tell anybody what her PR was because it was so close to four hours. Aww. And she was hanging out with these athletes who were running like in the two hours. Yes. Yeah. Who were substantially like they were Sub farther three. under three than she was under four. So mm. she just wouldn't even say it. Aw, that's like so <laughs> sad to me. Like because you should be proud of it. You know, like that was her PR. She came around and, yeah. and, and was but at first like she wouldn't take the the pride in you know completing a marathon let alone completing it sub four you do that now people are like whoa sub four it's amazing but it was all a matter of who she was hanging out with at the time for sure right but and i think that that's interesting because like i put qualifiers on my pr because i feel like i didn't quite earn that because i'm not sure just like i explained at the beginning of the episode i'm like i mean technically if people are like well what's your pr in the 5k and i'm like I'm not sure. Like, well, sit down. I have a story <laughs> for you. Here's what I've got. So, <laughs> technically, we're going by the time on the race clock. It's a 22:15, but the course was short. You know, so it's like, what do I actually say? And it's the same thing, really, for half marathons too, because. Most half marathons, when people cross the finish line, their watch doesn't say thirteen point one zero. That's that's a very good point. And if you run like a decent size race and the course is certified, I don't care what your watch says. Yeah. Because the course certification, like if whoever the governing body of where you ran the race actually certified the distance, it's going to be more accurate than the GPS of your watch. Mm-hmm. So take the race time especially in like um big cities too oh yeah right because i know i've heard this a lot from runners that have done like chicago especially new york um when you're in those big cities with those huge tall buildings it really messes up the gps signal yes the opening several miles of chicago is Mm -hmm. you cannot at all rely on gps yeah and so you know how accurate is that and it's it's very interesting also because the way that these courses, especially these really large races are um, set up, you totally can run different distances based on where in the street you run. Like, are you running down the middle of the street? Are you running down the edge of the street? Are you cutting all the tangents? Because there's a lot of road that they block off for these races. Well, yeah. So if you're all the way up in the front, you're the elites. There's like a small little pack. They run every tangent. Mm-hmm. Like they got, they got a lead motorcycle out in front and that little pack. I mean, maybe you're like the third guy out. So you're not like quite up against the curb as it hits that. But that's way different than the pack that's literally 40 people wide. Yeah. Like that's... That's a lot of people trying to turn. It's it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with my dad about he's a he's really into golf and the way that they set golf courses up 
for pros being on the thing, certain aspects aspects make it way more difficult mm-hmm. to play because of like how tight they cut the greens and like how tight they cut the the fairways or how long they let the rough grow. But there's other aspects. You got a whole like group of people around the outside, like. If the ball is supposed to go in the rough, but you happen to put it right where suddenly, you know, hundreds and hundreds of fans are walking every day. Oh, now it's not in a foot and a half worth of grass. It's just sitting here on this walking path. Mm. Oh, just casually knocked that one back in the fairway. He goes, on average, if you showed up right after a major tournament came through on like a golf course, you would probably gain like four strokes because it's set up to be more favorable for you. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I think that, you know, so I do kind of think, like, even though PRs are, like, more numbers-based, like, there can be qualifiers. Like, you know, we argue, like, I know you were kind of arguing that you can't really add a qualifier because the number's a number, but, like, when you take into account, like, the GPS and, you know, the... um, comedy of errors that can erupt from that, you know, like, the the error margin there it depending on how big it is depending on how the quality of your gps is you know like who knows yeah i mean that's that goes back to what you said about how i had different course prs when i was in high school because it didn't matter what the distance was that was the time i ran at golden gate park Mm -hmm. that was the time i ran at alum rock like Mm -hmm. these were my times on these courses and the course never changed from one year to the next it was always the same course and our coach had been coaching forever so he kept records so you could go back and be like all right so that like dominant team you had in the mid 80s how fast were they running on this course and he'd pull out the book and he had the numbers and but even so yeah and you can but even so you still can't account for like the weather conditions nope. and those no idea what things, the weather is right like because there are sometimes like there's a, a course that we tend to run several times every season here in cross country and it is really really hot at the beginning of the summer like that's where our season opener is this year and it's august 28th in south florida like it's gonna be warm that is going to be a different race than the one run at the end of october you know most of the time like you know sometimes the end of october is hot as heck too you never know but in in most circumstances you're gonna probably get a better time at the end and it's not just because you've gotten faster over the course of the season like you know we're hoping that's really what it is you're just our kids are in a lot better shape at that point but it's also because the weather conditions turn more favorable i mean there are certainly years where you're looking at a 40 degree fahrenheit temperature shift from the start of the season to the end especially when we you know we do our state meet up in tallahassee oh well that's a completely different ballgame that course is unreal it's so gorgeous and the weather is usually absolutely perfect it's usually like in the 50s yes you know so the conditions are just super super ideal um but yeah it's it's crazy what kids can drop in in different situations like that but you know we would argue that for a personal best like a personal best could be all over the place really you know like you could have personal bests for a given distance you can have multiple personal bests for a given distance yes so you said it'd be really interesting to get molly on and ask her which is her personal best for the marathon Mm -hmm. and i think you could argue all three of them yeah this is my personal best in the marathon at the olympics yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, you know, it like this is my personal best on one of the world majors. Like this you could put all these different qualifiers yeah, all into it. All three of them could be personal. All three best. of them could be personal best, mm-hmm. but you can put whatever qualifier you want. So you could have literally dozens of different personal bests at any particular distance. You could like put in your own age brackets. This is my personal best in my 20s, in my 30s. Like I've got PRs from high school 
that I've never touched recently in a long, long time. Like mm-hmm. my half mile PR, I have no desire to ever even try to attempt going after my half mile PR. I know how painful that was when I did it. Yeah. I don't even want to try it many, <laughs> many years later. That yeah. sounds awful. Yeah, I mean, Kevin had a an idea to try to run his mile PR last year. That was also and a terrible idea. quickly dropped that. <laughs> After like a couple of weeks. I went through a couple of workouts because I knew the workouts that I would have to like get through in order to get there. And I didn't even get like my times down to how fast I would have to run those workouts. But I already knew I I have no fun with these workouts. Yeah. Like I should sprinkle them in every once in a while because it's nice to get all sorts of different speed levels and stuff like that. But to train for the mile would require so much concentration of that high-end speed. And I was just like, this is just miserable. I, mm-hmm. I'd have no fun doing any of this training. Yeah, I enjoyed it, like, but it was hard as heck. Like when I did that mile training earlier this year, just because it was different than any training I had really ever done before because I did not run track in high school or cross country. I hated running in high school in case <laughs> of, um, you guys don't know my story. But um, just always nice to mention that. Well, I think it's important, you know, like I think it's really important for people to know that like I used to hate running and like now I love it and coach other people to do it (laughs) on the other hand I used to also participate in ball sports (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like you know back to our pbs like you can have a personal best in all sorts of ways like you could have your personal best with like before you had kids you could have your personal best when I only had one kid you can have a personal best now that I have two kids or three or four or however many children you have right you can have a personal best like when you were working full-time in a different job like in a very stressful environment versus like a personal best with the new job that you like absolutely love and maybe you only work part-time from home sure like personal best personal best as a 2021 yes versus 2020 like you know like personal best as a nurse personal best as a nurse during a global pandemic yeah like these are different during nursing school sure during nursing school like personal best with two young children personal best with one two kids still in diapers yeah personal best while breastfeeding sure personal best with two kids in high school oh god this also sounds stressful like they're all different stresses and sure like some of them are going to have some like age qualifications on there also but they also just are life situations this is my personal best under this scenario you added that your personal best of all right it wasn't my fastest time but i helped this other person to their fastest time Mm -hmm. that's super meaningful like personal best of guiding other people along the way that's that's phenomenal like Mm -hmm. the people who like carry the signs and pace through a lot of these like major marathons yeah how many personal bests do they have? Like disregard what their personal record is because it's usually like 15 to 20 minutes faster than what they're aiming for so they can make sure they stay on that pace. Mm -hmm. But man, that's got to feel like a good personal best. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And that really brings us to this idea of satisfaction. You know, like that's really what your personal best brings because you can always imagine that number on the clock getting a little bit smaller you know I don't think there's ever a runner that crossed a finish line and then at some point either immediately or you know several days later when they're kind of thinking about the race kind of say I wonder if I could have done that a little faster you know especially if you have a PR like my half marathon PR of (laughs) 153.01 oh one oh one you know like I think I could have 
found two seconds somewhere, but definitely not at the end because my cab said no. My cab said no. <laughs> you know, I, but like, you know, especially if you're like right on that edge of something. But I mean, you finished with O one. What if it was O O? Right. I mean, that was my half mile and mile PR in high school, both right ends on, zero zero. Really? Like four thirty and two flat. Mm. I was just off of being able to break two. I was just off of being under four thirty. Like they're fast, but man, if I was a half a second faster, yeah, that's a whole different. Like it's it's tenths at this point. Like yeah, it's so very close. Well, and you can think of a million different ways that you could make up those seconds, especially <laughs> if it's a longer distance, like a half or a, a half full. marathon. Oh yeah. my word! You know, I mean, how many a, corners could you have run tighter? A half mile is a little bit different than a half marathon when I'm out there for you know almost two hours. Yep. And it, we're talking about two seconds here. Yep. Right? Like yeah, like. Could I have run the corners tighter? Could I have started a little bit faster or a little bit slower so that maybe my ca- my calves didn't cramp up as bad? Like, could I have hydrated differently or avoided, like, weaving as much, you know? Like, those streets were very interesting with the cobblestone there yep. in Key West, you know? Like, that was definitely stressing my calves. Right, like... Should I have grabbed a water at all of the water stops, or was that slowing me down because I had to keep veering over and getting to the water mm-hmm. stop? Like, you're gonna second guess everything because there's so much that could happen over the course of a couple of hours yeah. that you're like, all right, I definitely could have finished that a little bit faster. And, you know, Kipchoge broke two hours in the marathon. That was as guided to perfection for him as possible. Right. Like, he ran in a straight line. He cut everything. And you know, looking back on it, he's like, yeah, but what if I had done this? And I mean, two years in a lab, I think four years in a lab, because they tried it and then tried it again. So many scientists saying this is the exact perfect way to do it. These are the, the half tights you should wear. This is the singlet. This is how much liquid, when the liquid, how many calories per water bottle. This is the V formation in front of you. Like everything was set up for him. Mm-hmm. And after the line, you know, he and all the scientists were like, I wonder if we could squeeze a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the nature of running, right? Like that's kind of the nature of who we are as runners because we love to challenge ourselves. We love to hit these new things. And so like when you do hit that big goal number, like even when you get it, like how long do you actually enjoy it? Like I know for me, it has been instantaneous sometimes where I'm like, oh, I bet I could have gone faster. (laughs) You know, like you hit it and you're like excited about it. But you're like, I wonder if, like, even like even for Key West. For Key West, I was super excited because I was not going for a PR that day. The weather conditions were not favorable. Like, there was a lot that I just threw out the window and just, like, was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go for it and see how my body feels. But, like, even so, like, I was so excited. That was a huge PR for me. I think that I had cut, let's see, I went from, like, a 158.59, I think. So I had cut, like, almost six minutes off my time mm-hmm. to to hit that which was awesome but I was still like oh man I didn't get under 153 I was only two seconds away right like how many minutes did you want to cut off of that (laughs) I'm just glad that by the time you hit the uh that one turnaround spot they figured out where the turnaround cone should be Mm -hmm. because or did they yeah I mean that could have been my two seconds right there sure because (laughs) at, at one point I was literally biking down or going down a road and the lead bike stopped and had this puzzled look on his face and I'm closing up and closing up on him. And he's not starting to go any further. And he goes, there's supposed to be a cone out here somewhere that we turn around. 
Like, um... Yeah, they hadn't put the, it out yet. You got there too fast. That's because the storm had moved and knocked all the cones over, yeah. and they hadn't reset up right. every single cone. And so he was just like, just just turn back now. Just start going back the same way that we just came. <laughs> like, oh, boy. What? What is happening right now? Yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah, your like, um, distance on your watch for that one was like, over 13 and a quarter, I think. I was way over. Yeah, you were I know, way over. Because I know when I hit 13.1. So when I came around the final turn and finally hit the last straightaway and closing in, I was not hitting it with, like, great kick. I knew I was I was winning. I saw how far back second place was, and I was just annoyed that I was still running. And my watch, and like, that's 13.1. That's 13.2. Now I'm at 13.3, and I'm yeah. still running. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's frustrating. <laughs> but, like, you know, so even when you do hit that goal number right that pr how long do you actually enjoy it i think that you sometimes need to consciously take the time to enjoy it yeah i agree like you really have to set aside some time and be like look not only am i going to enjoy it i'm going to actually brag about this Mm -hmm. to my running friends not to your non-running friends they don't care yeah but to your running (laughs) friends who really appreciate what that is and what went into it and you know what it means to drop six minutes you tell oh i dropped six minutes to a non-runner and they're like great you tell that to a runner and they're like unbelievable like how what that is so celebrate it, but then put a cap on it. I think that you should consciously celebrate and then cap it because why? no matter how fast it is, it's not like you're going to say, all right, and I've done it. I've, I'm done running now. I've, I've completed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can. You like, can. you know, you could be done with that distance. You could be done with the distance. You know, like maybe you're like, okay, that's, I'm, I'm good now. Like my half marathon days are over. I'm going to focus on 10Ks and 5Ks. You know, like you could decide that for yourself. Sure, but I don't know if you're necessarily going to be done running. No, I don't think you, I don't think that runners are just done running usually. I mean, unless their body catches up to them because they're not training properly and they decide that they don't want to go through all the aches and pains and all of that anymore. Um, I would argue that they just need to start training differently, you know, to support their body in a different way. Like maybe your training can't look the same way that it used to, but you can still run and you can still train well. Um, but you know, I think it'd be kind of cool to, look at every single race that you run as a personal best and like try to challenge yourself to be like, okay, in what way was this a personal best? Ooh, you know, a good one. like, because it's, it kind of just goes into taking time to celebrate those small victories and finding satisfaction in the process of doing that. Right. Like even if you, the time on your, on the clock is nowhere near your PR and maybe you also felt like crap during the race, like, you know, what can you point out? Like, what can you say to yourself about that run or about that race? That was so great. Like we had a, um, one of our team members just the other day posted about her run and she said that it was her worst run ever, you know, like the, <laughs> like it was, she felt terrible. Like she, it took everything she could have to like just finish the run. And there was like nothing good about this run. And one of our other team members chimed in and put a comment that said, so what I'm hearing you say <laughs> is that you overcame obstacle after obstacle just to finish the run and you finish the run. You still finish the run. You still finish the run. Like, what does that teach you? 
right? It was like, you, you never gave up. Like it felt terrible the entire time. It was a slow pace for you. And yet you still did it and you still finished it. Everything was physically exhausting and it was mentally frustrating for the entire time. And you still Mm -hmm. finished and did it. So there, there's your celebration. That's, and that's worth celebrating, especially for us as real life runners. For real life runners, we, we need to make sure that we are celebrating appropriately that you're not comparing yourself to necessarily a world record out there and being like, well, that just wasn't fast enough. Mm -hmm. You need to celebrate all of your victories. And I think it's nice to be able to say you can look into a whole lot of races and find a whole lot of personal bests, regardless of what the number on the clock says. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we encourage you guys to start doing, you know, to start looking at your running a little bit differently and looking to find what was the best thing about this run and, and how can I frame this in a way that has me feeling really good about it and feeling satisfied and feeling proud of myself because I would argue that every race, even just the fact that you towed the line and then crossed the finish line, uh, is a race is is a reason for celebration is a reason for you to celebrate yourself and believe me I'm not the kind of person that is all about participation trophies I don't believe in them for kids or that kind of thing but. For running, I think that this is something that we need to do, like for ourselves. Like we need to learn the lessons, of course. We need to figure out ways that we can, you know, use races and runs to figure out ways that we can continue to improve and figure out, you know, okay, like, you know, what I was just talking about with the half marathon. Could I have run those corners a little tighter? Could I have hydrated a little differently? Like it's still very important for us to learn those lessons, but it's also important for us to celebrate all of our small victories along the way. Yeah. I mean, you make a a good point there on, um, that you're not into the participation trophies, but the opposite of that is not tying your own identity to a number. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can have a good race even when the number and your feelings are not all like sunshine and rainbows. Like you can have difficult runs that end up being slow and don't feel good that can still have positive impact on your overall running journey. Absolutely. All right, guys, so that is what we have for you today. Let us know over on Instagram. If you're not following us yet, follow us over at Real Life Runners and find the post from this episode and let us know your thoughts. We would love to hear them. Um, What do you consider? Do you use the term PR or PB? And what do you consider your PR or your PBs um, for various race distances? We would love to hear your thoughts on this little debate that we had. Um, I think Kevin and I pretty much agree on, on most of it, but it is a fun discussion to have. So let us know your opinion. We would love to hear it over on Instagram at real life runners. So as always guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us today and for sharing this episode with your friends, whoever you think it might help. This has been the real life runners podcast episode number 213. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life.
We'll see you there.